Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Doc, how long have you and June been married? <laughs> I understand. 61? 61. Anybody else been married longer than 61 years? Doubt it. Anybody under five? No? Bunch of old heads in here today. Uh, Lynn and I will be married 30, 39 years uh, in August. And uh, 39 blissful, wonderful years in August. Uh, but as, as I look at the, king, the king's marriage, and it is very worthy of following and modeling after. Let me, let me encourage you to do that. Theirs isn't perfect. Ours isn't perfect. In fact, I've never seen a perfect marriage. I've seen good ones. I've seen godly ones. But I've never seen a perfect marriage. And uh, I want to share with you today from Ephesians chapter 5, this idea of, is that such an elusive thing for us? Is, is, is that kind of relationship such an elusive thing for us that, Trying to walk in it for us is just wishful thinking. You think, well, I've been married over a year, so the honeymoon's over, right? <laughs> sometimes the honeymoon's over six months. Sometimes it's six weeks. But can we, can we capture that and recapture that and walk in that place to where the relationship is fresh? It's, it's yes, it's the same person. Yes, there's the same habits. Yes, but there's some freshness to that. Well, when that's lost, I would submit to you that we've lost sight of what God's plans are for marriage. So if you want to turn to Ephesians 5, I want to, I want to look today. Uh, if you're here and you, th- you think your marriage is okay, but you're not real sure, I, th- I think we're doing okay. I think we're heading down the right path. Let's, let's juxtapose that with, with the scripture and see what God's word says about that and how we need or whether we need to adjust. Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, verse 21, then reading through the end of the chapter together. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, people have never hated their own bodies, but they feed and care for them just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, 
Four things today I want us to glean from this text. The first of which is this, is in a godly marriage, there is mutual submission. In a godly marriage, there's mutual submission. Look at verse 21 again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Paul is setting the table here for, this, for his dissection of what a healthy marriage looks like by saying, in essence, I think, see the other one as more important than you. Every time, all the time. See the other one as more important than you. Simple, simple concept. That's what real submission looks like. It's not, it's not our becoming a doormat to the other person or they to us. Uh, it's elevating them, and, and we'll talk about exposing them in just a second, but elevating them that increases their desire to be a partner with us and not a competitor. Now, when a person is elevated, when they're on a pedestal, well, it's in, everything's in full view there. Fail, failures, uh, warts, problems, everything's in full view. So rather than desire to be on the pedestal where we're exposed, we should desire, he says here, to submit and put the other one in that place. Now, if neither of us want the pedestal, both of us want to pour our lives into the other one, you see what starts to happen. That, that encouragement, that bond starts to grow. And, and, and rather than our desiring to be elevated, we're desiring to elevate the other one ahead of us and, and in front of us. So he's saying that that's what mutual submission looks like. Why is that the case? Because uh, there is, by God's design, comfort in this mutual submission. There is, there is refuge in it. There's encouragement in it. There's strength in it. And really, that's what each of us are longing for, is those kinds of connections. Genesis 2.18 says this. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. New Century Version says, I'll make a helper that's just the right fit. That's exactly what he's, what he's talking about here in this concept of mutual submission, where a marriage that fits together that's the only way mutual submission works is, that, is if we see each other as the fit to where the gaps are in our life, where we marry someone who fills in the gaps of our inadequacies, of our needs, of what we're not. That's why oftentimes opposites attract. You've heard that, that term, and it's true because we see in ourselves what we're not and in the other one what they are. And as I was attracted to Leanne in high school, we were high school sweethearts, still high school sweethearts, um, she was everything I was not. She was pretty smart. I'm not. She was, in fact, uh, I took a music theory class just so I could be in a class with her. I had no desire to learn music theory. But she was in the class, so I took the class. And if she wasn't in the class, I would have failed that class. Let me just, let me just kind of slide that in there. She, she kind of got me through that class. Uh, I don't want to say she cheated me through the class or anything like that, but I did end up passing the class because of her. But I saw a uh, heart of mercy and I saw a, a softer side that I, I, I didn't or I, that I wasn't and that I wanted to be and longed for. And that's how God works things, those kind of things out. We, we, when we are in, in a lifestyle with, with someone who is just the right fit, there is this mutual laying down of ourselves to elevate the other one above ourselves. He talks about here in verse 21. That's, that's, that's exactly what that's supposed to look like. That's why a good marriage, a godly marriage, is never easy. Because we're born with a desire for me. We come out of the womb with, please me, feed me, keep me warm, keep me, 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 me. And so that has to be learned, selflessness has to be learned behavior. But it's essential in a marriage to, to learn to be selfless. How do we do that? He says in this verse, out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another, not because each other, you, you, the other one is worthy of it or you're worthy to receive it. 
Submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. Submit to them as you would to him. How many of you think you're more important than Jesus? I hope not. So out of our reverence for him and our acknowledgement of his godship, his goodness, that's how we are to submit to each other. There's mutual submission. Secondly, in a godly marriage, not only is there mutual submission, but wives understand their role. Look at verse 22 through 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The saying here is that the husband is the head of the wife. Now, one of the meanings of the word head here in the original Greek is it's a military term referring to the tip of the spear, such that as the husband finds his way navigating leadership in that, in that home, there's two things that a soldier does. Uh, the person with, that's out front with the tip of the spear, he is, number one, defeating the enemy, pushing the enemy back, making sure the enemy has no, no, no stance or no way or no influence in his home. That's the husband's role in doing that. The second thing is this, is the, 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 the leader, the soldier, navigates the way forward. He sees hindrances here, he sees pitfalls there, and it's his role to navigate that way. We'll talk more about that in just a second, but it's, it's that husband's role to navigate, to lead in, in a forward way. So, in essence, he, he's saying the role of every wife is to follow that and fulfill. Follow and fulfill. Find myself behind the tip of the spear, following that guidance, that leadership, and fulfill Fill in the gaps where he is inadequate and give him the help that he needs to make it. So this, this, this idea of, of following, and let me just be straight up and say, most of us, most men, most husbands are inadequate and feel inadequate as a leader. But that's what God has called us to. So we step into it, mistake-ridden, but we step into it out of obedience to God. And so you are following, ladies, an imperfect model. But if you're trying to lead the family, that's an imperfect model as well. Because that's against what God is, say, is saying is, is his plan and his desire and his goal for how marriages are supposed to work. As I said earlier, that's why opposites usually attract each other because uh, the, as, as you're following that imperfect model, you're also seeing he needs help. And some of us need a lot more help than others. But he needs help, and, and I need to fill in the gaps of where he needs help as a leader uh, to be more effective in his home. So that's why red flags go off with me as I've met together with couples over the years and tried to provide some marriage counsel. That's why red flags go off when I'm sitting in front of two type A people because I know there's a struggle. I know there's going to be a submission struggle with two type A people in, in, in the same marriage and in the same home. That's, it's not to say it can't work, but it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. Ladies, you may have been right all along, but I promise you this. If you'll give him time and space to discover that on his own, you'll find somebody worth following. Let me say that again. You may have been right all along, but if you give him time and space to discover that on his own, you'll find somebody that's far more worthy of following and that you'll want to follow after. Um, that's the role. And you'll, you'll have a devoted partner instead of a domineering leader in your home. You'll learn to follow that kind of leadership. Understanding the role. Thirdly, in a godly marriage, there's mutual submission. Wives understand their role. Thirdly, husbands understand their role. Look at 25 and 26 with me again. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, just as her role is to follow and fulfill, your role is leader-lover. 
lead well to love well. He's saying here in these verses. How do we do that? Well, let's start by looking at how Christ loved the church. Four ways, probably among thousands, come to mind it, it, to, to, to me this morning. The first is this, is he laid down his life for the church. In essence, he loves the church sacrificially. Not only that, he sent the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a comforter, as an advocate. So he loves the church consistently, not leaving a void when he, when he left, sending the Spirit behind him. Thirdly, he left as his word as a guide, meaning he loves directionally for us. And fourthly, he's gone to prepare a place for us, so he loves us provisionally. He loves us sacrificially, laying down his life. He loves us consistently, giving us the Holy Spirit. He loves us directionally, giving us his word, and loves us provisionally, making a place for us. If we learn to love like that, learn, learn to love our wives, I'm going to tell you, guys, every wife will eagerly follow somebody that loves her like that. Not begrudgingly, they'll eagerly follow that kind of leadership. Why? <clears throat> because they're loved well. They're, they're loved sacrificially. They're, they're loved provisionally. They're loved completely. They're loved unconditionally. And they'll follow that kind of leadership every time in every home. I promise you they will. Uh, John Maxwell has said about marriage that if guys, if you think you're leading and she's not following, you're just out for a walk. Meaning, we probably dropped the ball in one of those four areas of how we love well. Or, or maybe more than one, in fact. So if we see that she's not following well, it's probably because we're not loving well. We may think we're leading, but we're not. Uh, so leading isn't easy when you're, the, when you're the tip of the spear. It's, in fact, it's never easy when you're the tip of the spear because you get the blunt force of whatever's coming toward your family. That's the role God's placed you in, man. Uh, it's not easy being the tip of the spear, but he's given you someone to help that's just the right fit, that's suitable, that's, that is perfected for you, is designed for you. So, wives, if he's out there trying to be the spiritual leader to your family, he doesn't need your judgment. He needs your encouragement, he needs your support, needs your love. Uh, and so that's, that's the role of the husband. In a godly marriage, there's mutual submission. Wives understand their role. Husbands understand their role. And finally, in a godly marriage, there's mutual love and respect. Mutual love and respect. Look at verse 33 with me again. He says this. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Each of you must. This is not a suggestion. It's a command by God. He's saying here that respect is what we're both looking for. And as I say, I've done a decent amount of marriage counseling over the years, and marriage success or failure has more to do with when respect is lost than anything else I've found. More than money, money is significant. More than communication, more than communication is significant. More than past and history or the, or the homes we came from, that's also significant. When you lose respect in a marriage, it's gone. Now, the good news is it can be reclaimed, but it takes a great amount of forgiveness and a great amount of time to do it often, regardless of whether who breached the respect, who, who lost the trust. When that trust and respect is gone, it's, it's, it can be gotten back, but it's, it's, a, it's a hard and difficult road back. That's why you need to be sure that you, you are with the one God wants you to be with as we, as we start dating. In fact, as our girls started dating, uh, both of them <clears throat> set them down and said, okay, let's make a list of the kind of man you want to marry. But that is just a date, I know. But marriage starts in dating. So let's make a list of the kind of man you want to marry. 
So they made some pretty good lists. In fact, I was pretty impressed by what they, what they wrote down and gave back to me. And I said, can I add one thing to that list? Sure. Make sure you find somebody that loves the Lord more than they love you. If they love the Lord more than they love you, it's all gravy. If they don't, there's going to be some hard ways to navigate because respect and trust can be breached that quick. And it's hard to earn back. I've, I've seen it set across from, from too many couples over the years. Uh, it's, it, when, when mutual respect is there, she will, men, she will respect and follow you anywhere. And ladies, he will love you sacrificially. He will love you cleanly, completely, sacrificially. He will love you in every way you need when, when, when trust and respect is there. You'll find somebody worth following, ladies. And guys, you'll find somebody that's, that's in your corner every time, over and over and over again. That's how this concept of becoming one flesh that he talks about in verse 31 works. Uh, it's, 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 it's where mutual respect and trust causes us both to, to see marriage, to see parenting, to see, to, to see life, to see adversity through a common lens, not her lens or his lens, but our lens. We start looking at life and, 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 and what comes at us through a common lens of oneness, through a common lens of, of, of this idea of leaving and cleaving to become one flesh and seeing life as if we were, were and you do this now, I'm sure you guys do, Doc. Leanne and I, the other day, are, we're finishing each other's sentences. She, we were watching a news program, and she, she said something that was kind of rare for her. Uh, at least it would have been rare years ago. It sounded like something exactly that I would say because it came across real blunt and real harsh. And I, I just started laughing kind of chuckled and she looked over at me and I said that's something sounded like something I would have just said as scary as that may be but uh, th th you start to see life and, and what comes at you through a common lens again not his lens or her lens but our lens and so that affects how you parent that affects how you relate to other couples it, it affects how you relate to the Lord and how, how whether that marriage is, is sub in submission to him or not so you've, you've heard it uh, said that marriage is give and take but more accurately, or probably more biblically put, marriages give and receive. If I can learn to give love and receive love, it's far, it's, there's a far greater understanding of this bond rather than taking it from somebody else. But, but if I can learn to give that and learn to receive, and to me it's harder to receive than give, but if I can learn to both give and receive love, give and receive respect, give and receive from each other, uh, it's the better, more godlike version of ourselves comes to the surface when that kind of relationship exists. And that kind of marriage is, is that kind of marriage bond is in place. Uh, it, it's, it's the way God intended marriage to be. Well, my question for you is, is that what you want? Is that what you want? Is that the kind of marriage you have? Is that what your marriage looks like? Because it's never going to look like that until you want that. We don't move in areas we don't want to, want to initially first move in. And just because we, we may look at God's word and say, What's, that's what I need to be, I never get there until that's what I want to be. So is that kind of marriage what you want your marriage to look like and be today? Only you can answer that. It's, that's, a, that's, that's a difficult question sometimes based on how what life has thrown at us and whether there's been hard places in our marriage that we never really totally recovered from, just learned to manage and get on, get on past. Or whether there's been, there's been uh, uh, you know, garbage that we brought from the home examples that we saw growing up in the, in the marriage and that didn't deserve to be there. And, and our spouse don't deserve to relive that again and again, but that's what we saw. So that's, that's our default system. That's what we default back to. 
until I make a conscious decision, I want a marriage that looks like this more than I want a marriage of the home that I came from. Or I want a marriage that looks like this rather than their marriage or his marriage or her marriage. When we start to see through the lens that God wants us to see, I'm going to tell you, things start to make great, far, far more clear. The, the decisions forward are far more clear to us than trying to figure this out on the fly. And so many couples do that. They, they, they grow to accept each other, but they don't grow to really love each other as Christ loves the church. And you see that bond. When you talk about, we talked about how he, those four ways he loved a while ago. When, when we see ourselves loving each other that way, nothing can separate that. Now, I'm going to tell you, the enemy will try. He'll try daily to separate that and to drive a wedge between the two of you and use anything and everything and anyone and everyone that he can. But when those, those four ways of love bond together, it's just impossible to pull apart because we are in each other's corner. We are each other's defender. We're each other's paraclete, each other's go alongside. And so if, if that's what I want to happen, if that's what I want marriage to be, I've got to want that to happen. But here's what I want to leave you with. Here's God's blueprint. And it's a really simple blueprint. It's a really simple blueprint. Mutually submit to each other, understand your singular roles together, and then come together in this idea of mutual love and respect for each other. You do that, put those simple things in place, it's going to work. We get away from those things, it's not. And as I said, I, I've, I've talked to folks over the years where we've gotten away, they've gotten away from those things. <clears throat> and some have never started with this basis. And so 20 years into marriage, 30 years into marriage, having to relearn some concepts that I never put in place when we were married in the first place. So... There's this idea of, of moving toward what God calls us to, but I've got to, I've got to know that, and now you're, 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 there's no, no excuse for you because you know it. I've got to know that, but not only know it, but want it and move my, myself and my marriage and my family in that direction. Now, here's the beauty of that. Once that's put in place, that's multigenerational. Once your kids see these principles put in place in the home, they're going to want that for their home. That's going to be their default system. That's going to be what they hit the reset button to every time. If you'll reset them to a godly marriage, to what Christ talks, what Paul talks about here, to the Ephesian church in, in Ephesians five, that's going to be the reset button they go back to to say, God, I'm, I'm not loving well, I'm not leading well, I'm not following well, I'm not respecting well. Take me back to those principles. If they see that in the home they grew up in, I saw that in my home that I grew up in. But if they see those principles, that's their default mechanism. That's what they go back to, and that's exactly what you want because you know what? You're raising your grandkids. You're, you're, you're dictating what, who your grandkids are going to marry by, your, by the marriage you have in your, in your, in your world and in your home now. It's multi-generational. That's the power of influence. That's why this is so important. That's why, that's why marriages that are blown have severe, sometimes multi-generational consequences that we didn't ask for, didn't desire, didn't want, that couldn't even see going into. But it's powerful when... It's powerful when marriages work because I'm going to tell you, and, and I uh, talked with Josh and Kendra about this yesterday. We're getting married on Saturday, by the way. Congratulations. Um, I'm marrying them this Saturday. When, when, there is, when there is this kind of stuff, we stick out. I'm going to tell you, in our culture, that's so self-centered. When there's mutual submission to each other, when there is mutual respect and love for, and admiration for each other, that, that kind of marriage sticks out. I'm going to tell you, questions start to come. What, tell me about you guys married. It looks freakish. How, do, how does that work? How does that? Because 
as I say, in, in, in the me-centered culture where, where you and I live, and, and in fact, uh, it's, I don't think it's intentionally in home after home, but it's absorbed in home after home that you're the, you're the center of the universe. Uh, you've heard me say so many times that we're, it's a danger to, to, to raise children that think they're the center of the universe or the center of everything in, the, in our world because they grow up thinking that way. They marry some, somebody thinking they're going to treat them that way, and then they find that six months, six, six years in, happen i'm not as important as i used to be i'm not as significant as i used to be i'll find somebody else that gives me that importance and that significance i'll chuck this one and try for another one when if they saw from the get-go it's not about that it's about selflessness it's about mutual submission it's about humbling myself to the other one as unto the lord in reverence to christ he says when they see that they're gonna have a powerful testimony in this culture for Christ and what he can do in a marriage, what he can do in a culture, what he can do in a home, what he can do in parenting, what he can do with kids. That's going to be a powerful and resounding testimony in our culture. I hope you want that enough to chase after it. I'm still chasing after it. We're still chasing after it. Hadn't gotten there yet, but still chasing. I encourage you to do that. If you think your marriage is okay, put it against God's word to see where it stands. Let's pray. Father, today, um, we're grateful that the bond of marriage is the glue that holds a culture together. It holds the church together oftentimes because you, you, this, this symbolism of, of Christ and his bride is, is used over and over again in Scripture. You want us to see the power of family, the, the, the power of marriage, the, par the power of a family bond that two people can have that can not only change their kids, but their kids' kids and their kids and their friends and people they work with, and people they see socially. That kind of impact is what you want Christian homes to be. And you've, you've shown us here again today what that's supposed to look like. Would you give us the desire and the heart to long for that and to put it into place? Why? Because it works. Every time it works. You've shown us that again and again and again with yourself and, and the church. It works every time we submit to you. When we follow you, look for you, chase after you. You, you, you give us the desires of our heart, the word says. So today, would we, would we long for that and, and want that more than we want to, to live in mediocrity? More than we want to live in a, in a settled relationship, in a settled place, where we just kind of settled for mediocrity over and over again for decade after decade? Would we long for something deeper, for something more, for something significant, for something influential, powerful even in our culture? Take our hearts to that place so that our behavior can in turn follow after it. Because we never follow what we don't want. So take our hearts to the place of wanting at this morning. And adjusting, really adjusting me to get me out of the picture more or less. To where you can, you can have the glory out of my home and out of my marriage. We're grateful today for these instructions. Grateful today for the practical nature of, your, of this book. How it speaks to every need in our life and in our world and in our culture cause us to find ourselves aligning with it and not living in contrary to it. We love you. We want our homes to love you as well and be reflections of your love to others. As we love each other, they'll see our love for you. Help us to want that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.